love for those people involved in it, but also how that those, whatever their background, whatever they've been through in life, they are created in the likeness of God. They're created in his image. They are special to him. And actually, it doesn't matter if you're growing vegetables or meeting someone at the school gate or you're meeting someone in the doctor's surgery or you just bump into someone or someone cuts you up at the traffic lights. You have an opportunity to express something of their value and your love for them and God's love for them in how we respond. And God's calling us to be salt and light. God's calling us to make a difference to those um, around us. I I love to worship Jesus. It's one of my favourite things to do. Um, There's a few other things that are up there, but I do love to worship him. And just this morning, how special it was to exalt the name of Jesus, to glorify him to position him back on the throne of our lives and say, oh Lord God, you are the most special one to me. It's, uh, it's, it's precious to be able to do that. Can I, can I just pray? I'm going to pray. And uh, um, uh, when we close our eyes, if you feel comfortable to raise your hands and, uh, oh Lord, we love to worship you. And Lord, I love the fact you're here right now. Thank you. You're not far away. But as we gather here together as your people, you come close to us. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you, is the promise in the Bible. Thank you, not only do you draw near to us corporately, but you live inside of us. We say, Holy Spirit, as we um, look at this next preach in Living the Gospel series, I ask you for real grace to be upon me to communicate with compassion. But I pray for power. I ask you for anointing. I pray for freedom to come. I pray for a change of thinking to flow out of this morning where needed. I pray for strengthening and encouraging. Oh, Lord God, be with us uh, mightily as we look at your word. Would this not just be an intellectual process, but a life-changing encounter with the living God? That's what we're asking for, Lord God. We pray for that in your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen. This morning I've got the joy, the privilege of looking at the whole subject of gospel suffering. Life is hard at times, although because we live in the UK we have a whole load of blessings that probably, um, if you're anything like me, you take for granted. The fact that probably you know what you're eating for lunch today is is a massive blessing, or at least you know where you're going to be going to buy it from. Um, We live in safety, we've got a roof over our heads, we've probably got more than one set of clothes that we wear. If we get sick we can go to a doctor, if our house catches fire or someone breaks in we can call 999 and there will be someone who comes to save us. All of these are little displays of God's grace that we in the UK can so easily take for granted and yet actually for most of the 7 billion people that live on this planet they don't enjoy many of the things that we so easily take for granted but the reality is for us we do live in a broken world and bad stuff does happen it crashes into our lives when we're often not expecting it And it takes our breath away and it changes our dreams. Our plans can disappear in a moment and at times life can be really, really hard. That's 
The reality doesn't make any difference in that sense whether you are a Christian, a follower of Jesus or not. We live in a broken world and because of that, bad stuff at times floods in. David, a man after God's own heart who wrote a lot of the Psalms, said this. Um, I think actually, Dan, it's one of the last slides. You might need to uh, uh, have a look through. I'm going to be jumping all over the place. So dear old Dan is going to have to try and keep up with me. He says this, be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes are wasted from grief, my soul and my body also, for my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity and my bones waste away. Um, I don't know, songwriters, see if you can turn that into a song for Sunday mornings. Um, but, but that's a reflection, a man after God's own heart, how, how, he, how he feels, how he is living life, how he is experiencing life. It, it's hard. How do, we, how do we handle these things? A friend of mine, um, friends of ours, borrowed our tent last summer and they wanted to go camping over, over the August bank holiday weekend. Um, we, we used the tent the year before, actually, we went to Ashburnham, and it was beautiful blue sky, lovely yellow sun shining out there. It, I tell you, our tent was awesome. Our tent was absolutely amazing. Not a problem with our tent as we enjoyed three days of wall-to-wall sunshine, ex- excellent praise and worship and encountering God, wonderful teaching. If you haven't booked in Fresh Burnham yet, I am guaranteeing the sun will shine and the sky will be blue. Make sure that you book in. It's going to be absolutely great. Price break at the end of this month. Anyway, anyway, for our, our dear friends of ours, they did not have such a joyful experience of camping as we did. don't know if it's about the blessing of God upon them. I don't know quite what it is. But anyway, the rain fell and the wind blew and uh, the top of the tent was like a shower and the bottom of the tent was like a swimming pool. And they got incredibly, incredibly wet. When, when everything was really, really good the year before, you could think that the tent was fine. The tent was great. Everything was working okay. The zips went up and down. And, and when there was a little bit of dew on the top of the tent in the morning, it kept it all out. But when the storm came, actually we found that the tent wasn't quite right. We thought that we had a good, solid, stable tent. And by the mercy of God, we didn't find out as a family that it wasn't that. Friends of ours did in on our, on our stead. But, but we thought it was all right. And I think life can be like that. That in the normal sunshine of life, everything ticks along and goes really, really well. But when the storms come, and they do come, we find out what we've built upon. Jesus used the parable of the wise builder, didn't he, um, on that. I just want to look a little bit at what it is to navigate our way through suffering and trials, bad circumstances, difficult circumstances. How do we build a life on the rock? How do we build a life so that when the storms come, we can stand firm? We still cry out like David cried out. We can still be at the end of our tether, as it were, in many ways, but we know we're built on the rock, the immovable one who helps us to keep singing, even when things are really, really 
difficult. And Paul writes an incredible letter to the church at Philippi in AD 60 while he's in Rome. He loves the church, he's full of joy and he's full of rejoicing, um, but he's also really in pain and struggling as well. And so we're going to look um, at just at chapter 1 of Philippians, we're going to look at the whole subject of suffering, we're going to look at God's grace in suffering, we're going to look at suffering in the gospel, and we're going to look at growing in grace. He just kicks it off in Philippians chapter 1 verse 3 and he says this, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for, for in all your making of my prayer, with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. This, this is quite a bubbly start to the letter. I don't know if you pick up a bit of energy in there, there's joy, he's, he's enjoying his relationship with them, he's celebrating the fact that they are uh, partners in the gospel with him. If you read these first three verses, you'd think, hey, this isn't too bad. This, this, this is obviously a sunny day in the life of the apostle Paul. But it, it goes on and we read verse 7, and it's right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you're all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment, oh, that's a funny word, I didn't expect to see that in there, and in my defence and confirmation of the gospel. And this very bubbly start, Paul, just in this verse, hints at what is going on in his personal circumstances. And what we find is he's not camping at Ashburnham on a bright, hot, sunny day. That isn't what's going on in his life at the moment, although he starts off with joy, we find actually that, that Paul, his circumstances are pretty bad. At the moment, he's imprisoned in Rome. He's in prison. And a Roman prison wouldn't as be as good as a prison in the UK. And a prison in the UK, I don't think it's anything that any of us would aspire to. That, that is where he finds himself in his circumstances. And It's just not a good place to be. But we, we find here that he says, he says, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defence and confirmation of the gospel. The same grace that is at work in the church at Philippi is also at work in the Apostle Paul as he works out circumstances in prison at this point in time and as he defends and confirms the gospel. God's grace is active in Paul's life in sustaining him. God's power is at work in Paul's life in sustaining him. Paul's circumstances aren't the best, but God is still at work in him. I think if we're not careful, sometimes we can look for God to work in certain ways and we're not so keen if he works in other ways. Could we put the tweet up? Um, I don't know if you can read it. It was a tweet that a friend of mine um, sent to me and the top list is the miracles that we crave and the bottom list 
is the miracles that the gospel creates. Now, we definitely want the top list. We, we definitely believe that God can come and bring immediate healing. But they're the ones we really want. They're the ones we really go after. But, but when we read the gospels and when we read the New Testament, we find there's another list here. Miracles that God creates in us. As we endure difficult circumstances. So the miracles that we crave. Immediate healing. Wealth. Coming back from the dead. That would be, you know, we'd like to see some of that. Displays of power. Ending of trials. Personal triumph. Those are the things we, we, we want to say. And I think all of us would be going, yeah, an amen to that. But here's some of the miracles that the gospel creates that we find in the New Testament. Perseverance in pain, contentment rather than wealth, life after death, displays of humility rather than displays of power, enduring of trials rather than the ending of them, God's divine triumph maybe rather than our personal triumph and it's provoking because we we find this we find this in Paul we find this when we read the letter that he sent to the church at Philippi we find that Paul is on the one hand got a set of circumstances that none of us would want to swap with his and yet we also find that it is a letter of triumph we find that it is a letter of joy we find it is a letter of overcoming in the midst of very difficult circumstances. Let's continue to read verses 8 through to 11. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you with all the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and you may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. I love that phrase, how I long for you, Paul says to the church at Philippi, with all the affection of Christ. It's interesting, it's, it's not his own affection, it's Christ's affection. Do you know that Christ longs for you? Christ has, Jesus has affection for you. Christ cares for you. And even as we're singing in the pain, even as we're worshipping and glorifying God in midst the circumstances are really difficult, we find in the Bible that Jesus not only knows that we're doing that, but we also find that Jesus can totally relate with the pain that we are going through. Because the Jesus that we worship is the suffering servant. The Jesus we follow is the suffering saviour, the one who, although at times full of joy, also had moments of real pain. If you, if you look at Isaiah 53, you'll get like a behind-the-scenes look at what Jesus went through on the cross. And it is, it's heart-rending when you see the personal cost Jesus went through to save us. Jesus suffered to set us free. The one who brought life in the beginning got to a point in suffering that he asked for this cup to be taken from him. He got to a point of desperation that he was asking the father for a way out. 
And as we walk through times of difficulty, knowing that we have a saviour who cares for us and loves us and not only knows what we are going through, but knows what it is to suffer, brings strength and helps to help to us. God's grace is available. God's grace is sufficient. The Apostle Paul in a different letter says, your grace is sufficient for me. Your power is made perfect in my weakness. Lord, I I just want to thank you that you care. Lord, when the circumstances of life are pouring through the roof of our tent and we feel at our wit's end, I thank you, Lord, that you not only care, but you know what it is to suffer. And I thank you, Lord God, that we can find grace and strength from you. I thank you, Lord God, that you promise in Peter that you will comfort us, the God of all comfort will come close to us. Lord, I ask you even now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, we will, different ones, different circumstances, experience your grace flooding into our lives right now, bringing strength, bringing hope, bringing hope, coming close, binding up the brokenhearted. I ask for that, Lord God. Amen. Secondly, I just want to, we, we, we see suffering and the gospel. Then Paul sort of works on and he works on to the, a bit more detail on his personal news. In verse 12, he says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. I mean, that's, well, we, we'll get into it. So it's become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it in love, knowing that I'm put here for the defence of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether by pretense or truth, Christ is proclaimed and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. I mean, this is, if, by the way, if I was writing this letter to the church at Philippi and I was in prison and there was only four chapters I had to write, At least three and a half chapters would be about how bad it is in prison. You know, I might finish with the last half a chapter. I hope you're doing all right and, you know, keep doing the stuff you should be doing. But I I would be moaning and groaning about the food, the living conditions, the sanitation. Um, I I could come up with lots of things. Even when things go really, really well, God has... No, it isn't God who's gifted me, but I I can still find something to moan about. But... But the Apostle Paul here spins it right the way round that although he is in prison, he says actually that very thing has served to advance the gospel. I mean just that way of thinking is, is incredible for him to even notice it while in prison is, is quite amazing. He says all the imperial guard and all the others have come to know that I am in here because of Christ. 
So, so, so he knows God's will is that Paul would be in prison at this season. And if you read a bit longer on, we're not going to be able to do it. But if you read further on, you find he doesn't actually even know if he'll ever be released from prison. He, he wonders if it actually may be his last days in prison and he will be executed by the Romans. He doesn't quite know which way it will go. But he's, by the grace of God, this is not natural ability, this is God's power within him. By the grace of God, he seems more concerned about whether the gospel is being preached than whether he gets out of prison. I mean, this is supernatural nuttiness, isn't it? I mean, it's so countercultural from where we're at, but that, read it, that's, that's what Paul is saying. And then what makes it worse is the church in Rome haven't all even got it together. It's not like all of them are sending in poo hampers. No, food hampers. Well, some of them might have been reading this. Food hampers and, 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 and really looking to support him. It wasn't like they, they were really, all of them praying, 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 praying. It, 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 it wasn't that. Some have been emboldened to preach the gospel more because Paul's in prison. And they're thinking, well, hey, if Paul is preaching the gospel while in prison to the imperial guard, I can definitely preach Jesus to the people's, my neighbours. But, but, but he says, actually, you know, some of them aren't even doing it for the right reason. Some of them are preaching Jesus just to get Paul in more trouble. I mean, nothing like kicking a bloke when he's down. But they were. I mean, Christians can be pretty awful at times, you know. I don't think a pastor's supposed to say that, but, but it's true. Look, I mean, read it in, in Philippians. I mean, you think, but even in that, he rejoices. Why? Because Christ is being proclaimed. This is, this is a guy who, who, who knows the grace of God, but, but sees God at work in a bigger way. The advance of the gospel, not freedom from prison, seems to be his primary goal. In fact, prison has provided new open doors for the gospel and because of that he is happy, even though prison would have been an atrocious place for him to be. It it, it causes me to ask questions like, am I more gospel-centred or comfort-centred? Am I more interested about my personal comfort than I am about the glory of Jesus being glorified? Am I willing to step out of my comfort zone so that Jesus' name may be exalted? God is absolutely um, amazing. In the midst of suffering, in the midst of pain, in the midst of trials, God is able to shine through Paul in this incredible way. Absolutely incredible. But he's also able to shine through you as well. Can you all see the torch on my phone just shining out? Yeah? It's bright, but not massively right if we come back at six o'clock tonight when it's dark you'll see this light really really clearly and I wonder if it's just a helpful picture for us as Christians you know when the sun is shining and life is good in some ways maybe we don't look that much different from those around us 
But when everything gets dark around us and things are incredibly difficult, it gives us such an opportunity to shine for Jesus. And it's not that we don't face pain and it's not that we don't, there aren't heart-wrenching cries out to God for his deliverance, but in the midst of that, we have a hope that goes beyond the grave. That even when we face bereavement, we do not mourn like those who have got no hope because we know where they are. Our difficult circumstances, our suffering by the grace of God can create an awesome opportunity for God to be glorified. And lastly, I just want to finish by looking at growing in grace. You ever heard the phrase saving up for a rainy day? You know, maybe slightly older ones among you were always taught, well, make sure you save up for a rainy day. Make sure you put a little aside every week so when things get tough, when the cooker breaks, when, uh, when you lose your job or when something bad happens, you've got something in the bank to lean on. Maybe younger generation don't do that so much would be a good habit to get into rather than relying on the credit card. Good habit to get into. But this is, this is a little bit like that. You know, we get to invest when times are good so that when times are bad, we're able to stand. Our dear friends could have gone out and tried to fix our leaky tent when the rain was coming down and the wind was blowing. That wasn't the time to try and put good foundations in to try and fix a tent. It needed to be fixed when it was dry and the rain was, and the rain was away and the sun was shining. Um, this is an opportunity for us to grow in the grace of God. This is an opportunity for us to grow in God. And Philippians 1.18 through to 30, um, Paul basically hints at a whole load of different things that can be really helpful for us. If we invest these things into our lives now, when the storms of life come, we can stand more firmly. First, and, and I don't suppose many of these will be new to you, but I just want to remind you of what you know. And it's not about whether you know them, it's about whether you practice them. That's the important thing. It's in the practice of them that the grace of God is found. The first one you'll notice all the way through the book of the Philippians is rejoicing all the time. In verse 18 it says, and in that I rejoice, yes, and I will rejoice. It's a, a repetitive theme of the letter. Paul is continually rejoicing, although there's lots of bad stuff going on. Um, if, I, I probably... Three, four times a week, um, suffer from a number of negative thoughts rushing into my mind. On a, on a daily basis, I would struggle with negative thoughts, but at least three, four times a week, um, I let my guard down and I can get in a place where I just feel a bit despondent, I feel discouraged. Um, is it working? Is, is life going all right? I'm just being honest with you. Three, four times a week, probably. The best, my best antidote for that is to worship Jesus. It's to take my eyes off the problem. I'm going to stop meditating. I'm going to exalt the name of Jesus Christ and I'm going to glorify him until the despondency drops away. Faith rises in my heart. 
rejoice, rejoicing all the time. It, it's not always easy, but it is a decision of the will. And if you can't sing whack, you know, download a song, listen to that, play it loud. Listen to it on the way in a work, put it on your, in your earphones, find ways to worship Jesus. Second thing, prayer. It says in verse 19, Paul says that I know that through your prayers I will be delivered. And he's not talking necessarily about his circumstances. You know, prayer does genuinely work. Jesus taught us how to pray. He encouraged us to pray. He commanded us to pray. Oh, church, pray. If you don't know how to pray, find a mature Christian, ask them to help you, to teach you how to pray. But no one can pray in your stead. Learn how to do it. It is life to you. Pray for others who are struggling. Ask others to pray for you when you are struggling and learn how to pray yourself. It is absolutely an essential tool in the toolkit of a Christian. Number three, the Holy Spirit helps us. He says, I'm going to be delivered by the help of the Holy Spirit living within us. You know, the Holy Spirit has come and he has made his home within us. He has come to empower us, to strengthen us. When I um, was running uh, uh, marathons, when, uh, that was a bold way of saying it, wasn't it? I've run two. But when, when, I, when, I ran, when I ran marathons in my young years, um, I, I used to have these like, little energy sachets. Um, they were foul things. But while you're running, you rip the top off and you push them into your mouth and they, they give you a burst of energy. The Holy Spirit, he isn't intellectual, he's real. I pray Holy Spirit come fill me. I have an expectation. He comes and fills me and I live differently because I am full of the Holy Spirit. He brings an energy. He brings hope. He brings strength. That's why the Bible says go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not an intellectual thing. It's not a bit of positive thinking as Paul shared. Holy Spirit comes and he lives inside of us. We need to continually be filled. But when he fills me, I expect to know it and I expect to see a difference in my life. God in me. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Number four, um, living with Jesus' priorities. He says, Christ will be honoured in my body. That's what the Apostle Paul says. Whether by life or by death, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. I mean, this is massive. Whose priorities are we living with? If I was to get you to write down just on a little sheet of paper now, you know, what are your top three goals for this year, your three priorities? Are there any kingdom priorities in there? Matthew 6, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not, not, not my kingdom be extended and my will be done on earth, but no, no, yours, Lord God, are we living with Jesus' priorities? I think that's why Paul was able to say, actually, what's key for me is that the gospel is being preached. Because, because kingdom priorities came above his own. Number five, loving and serving others. You'll find in the letter to the Philippians that he is, he is full about them. As I said, if I was writing the letter, three and a half chapters, all about me in prison. For, for the Apostle Paul, he, he mentions prison as a context, but a lot of it is about them. He's living for them and I just want to encourage you more and more church live for one another that's why connect groups are so important knowing that you're living connected you can be authentic with one another in a small group it may take time but it's really really important that you're connecting you're being authentic that you're living for other people that you're not self-absorbed 
really important. It, it will help you. Number six, growing in grace, walking together. It's a bit like the one I've just done. You are stand, in verse 27, you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. I mean, basically, just walking together brings strength. Ecclesiastes says if one falls down, another one can help you up. And number seven, suffering is part of the gospel. Verse 29 says this, for it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. We live in a broken world and suffering crashes in. It's, it comes with gospel territory. In some ways, because we're followers of Jesus, we will suffer in ways that the rest of the world will not suffer. But God promises to give us grace and strength, whether he delivers, delivers us from those circumstances or enables us to endure through them, he will never leave or forsake us. And the difficulties that we face provide an incredible backdrop for Jesus to be glorified. What I've been preaching about here is such a different outlook from the norm in our culture. In, in many ways, it's quite a different outlook from the norm of some Christian culture. That, that focuses much more on, on the now and the here and that my body is healthy and my bank balance is full. But the New Testament says that suffering comes with the territory of being a Christian. And we find in this letter so little of Paul, but so much of Jesus and so much of other people. Can I invite the band back up? Actually, no, I won't invite the band back up. Sorry, just looking at time. Sorry, and just change the thing. Sorry, good to see. It's a well-oiled machine we've got going on here. Could we stand, though? Would that be all right? I just want to pray for fresh grace to invade your life. Just want to pray for fresh grace to invade your life. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are here. And I ask you, Lord God, would you come? And for those of us right now that are going through difficult circumstances, you may want to even just indicate that you are. Just want to raise your hands or put your hand on your heart or whatever it might be. Could be health, could be finance, could be relational difficulties, it could be work. Lord, I just pray for an invasion of your grace and your strength right now on every single individual that is identifying they're struggling. Lord, I ask you, Lord God, you'll give them all the grace, all the power, all the strength that they need at this time. Lord, I pray that, Jesus, you will be exalted in their bodies, in their life, that your name will be lifted high, that you will be glorified, but they will also know your strength, your peace, your kindness flooding into them at this time. Pray, Holy Spirit, come ever so close. Would they know your love invading their hearts, I pray. And I pray for all of us, Lord, in the coughs and colds of life, in the big things and in the little things. Oh God, would we shine for your glory. Lord, would we be those that grow in your grace.
Would we be ones that, that while the sun is shining, we put into practice some of these things so that when the storms come, we find we have built on you, Jesus Christ. We're the wise builder, not the foolish builder. Oh Lord, I ask for an invasion of your grace. The blessing of your grace, I pray. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Why don't we grab a seat and I'm going to hand over to Natalie for church news. Good morning. Just wondering if Alid's going to accompany me through church news. <laughs> if you're um, visiting us this morning, it's great to have you with us. And I'd just love it if you would stay afterwards, have a tea or a coffee with us. Um, if you just go through the doors there and on your right, there's the connect area. Um, you can get... Um, a drink and nice biscuits and we'd be happy to answer any questions you may have about church or about Jesus or Christianity so please do come and have a tea or coffee with us Um, also if you've um, if you want us to keep in touch with you you can pick up a connect card and fill that out and tell us what you'd like to know more about and we'll get in touch with you during the week Um, stewards could I ask you if you would take the offering now if you are visiting please don't feel any need to give at all Um, This is just something that we do every week to um, give our finances as part of our worship to God uh, for the running of the church and the various things that we're involved with. Um, Every year, dozens of our youth go to New Day, which is a youth camp where 7,000 teenagers come together to worship God, hear some amazing talks, have a lot of fun together. Um, And after this morning's meeting, we've got a cake sale. Um, So I just want to encourage you to uh, buy a cake pay way more than it's worth. Um, Our youth have been making cakes so they can sell them. And the point of it is to raise money um, so that all of our youth can go to New Day, regardless of the the household income and that sort of thing. So it's just an opportunity for us to give and to raise money so as many of our youth as possible can go. Um, Here's a little video that will tell you what New Day is all about. cool isn't it Alid wasn't doing that on the keyboard um, so please do buy a cake if you can after this morning's meeting um, we've got the marriage course starting this week on Wednesday night and it's not too late for you to sign up um, it involves a meal where you